Hey everybody, this is Mike, and today is June 30th, 2020, and um, I'm done with my church day, and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, go out of town, and kind of excited to celebrate, you know, uh, celebrate completing that that chapter. Um, It's been a weird week. And this is, this is going to be a talk about a couple different things, uh, a little bit of a snapshot of a bunch of things that, that I'm focused on right now. And I think it's going to be kind of cool. Uh, and it's, it's really like kind of interwoven, um, interwoven with, uh, you know, everything that's happening in my life experientially. And so, um, I encourage everyone to kind of begin if you're not already doing it, but like see how, um, your life and uh, your inner world and the events of your actual mundane life and, and like, you know, the stories that you're seeing happening on um, the outer world, whether that just being um, like regionally or, or nationally or internationally or, you know, whatever, however you want to see that. But um, uh, it's an important, it's an important technique to, uh, uh, to be able to kind of navigate both worlds, to be able to kind of keep your 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 understanding of of yourself and your your unique story relative to like you know whatever life is, and then also how it's um, intertwined. And when you begin to see those those patterns, and you know you have that direct experience of seeing this kind of um, uh, mirroring of, you know, what you're actually experiencing inside and how it's connected to, uh, to the external world and so forth, um, you know, it, it becomes uh, easier, you know, to, to flow with life. You begin to see this and, you know, your perception expands and changes and, you know, all sorts of neat stuff happens. And, you know, now is a time when that's really necessary because we are really entering into, um, into unprecedented territory. And it's becoming uh, more and more evident that, you know, if you want to participate at all in, in, in the system, uh, you're going to have to bow down to it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to um, really give up something of yourself. And the other alternative is um, you don't really have much of a model in your mind, you know, uh, of what that can be. So there's like the, an element of like, you know, really stepping into the unknown. And, uh, this is when like navigating life is, is, you know, becomes like, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, now it's, now it's real. <laughs> um, and so, uh, as a, as a door shuts, the window unfolds. And so like part of this navigating into this world, which you can't even imagine, you know, all of the old models, which you might have of what life would look like, you know, how you envisioned what life was going to be five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. Um, you know, that's kind of out the window. That's what people would kind of use to navigate their lives. And so now it's becoming even more, um, important to navigate these uncharted territories of really kind of like stepping up your understanding of, of like how you can get, how you can, um, how perceptive you are to receiving the feedback, um, from the outer world. (laughs) 
I feel like I got to get off my soapbox right now because, uh, um, you know, I want to share my perspective and I share it um, because, you know, I think it's a value. Um, but I also want to um, indicate this is, you know, my perspective and my perception and, and that's what I'm sharing. And it's like, you know, this is all meant to be like considered, like everything has to be considered. Um, you know, you don't ever want to take anything uh, just at uh, face value. So all that being said, let's start the, uh, <laughs> let's start the, uh, let's start the, the show. So um, last week I did a video and um, I began it by saying like, it's been a really weird day for me. And I talked about um, one half of the weird day. Now I'm going to talk about the other half of the weird day. So earlier that morning, I met up with this guy. I made up with him on um, High Point. And he sent me an email and he, he said like, Hey, I'm passing through town. Um, you know, uh, I, I dig your work and, um, I, I'm a, I'm a professional stage magician and I'm a mentalist and I've got some cool MK ultra stories and, you know, I think it'd be cool to hang out. And, you know, I get contacted, you know, pretty regularly from people who want, you know, to hang out and, it's, it's, I value my time. I value my time immensely. So it's, um, it's easier for me to just kind of like have a, 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 a pretty solid boundary. Like, you know what? I just, I, my time's too valuable and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to pick and choose if you will. And, you know, you don't know what, um, what's on the other side of the computer screen. But, um, but you know, that's usually been my, uh, that's usually been my, um, the way I would, I would manage, uh, contacts, but this guy hit some hot buttons of mine. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, all right, all right, let's go and do this. So I meet this guy up on high point and, uh, I liked him. He was, he was a young guy and he was real personable and fascinating. Like these really, really cool stories. Um, but what I want to share with you is, uh, when we were up there, he's like, Hey, you know, I, uh, um, I, uh, I do, um, a lot of magic, like working the crowd, like, you know, in trade shows or at like corporate events. And so he, he's got like, kind of like souvenirs, which he gives out. And it's like, Hey, I think you get, you'll, you'd like this one. He had a couple for me. I was like, all right. And so he showed me this one and, uh, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's an optical illusion. There's like no magic to it, but it's like, you know, it's got a pretty big wow factor, but, that was when the weirdness began and we'll go, this is where we want to begin. So, so this is the, uh, let's see if we could see this. Yeah. Right there. This is the artifact. It's a piece of, um, like balsam wood, balsam wood. I think it's called like this real thin light wood. And it's in this, uh, eight pointed, um, shape. You know, it's not quite a star because the rounded corners, um, and there are five pointed stars on, um, the five pointed stars. Can we get this? Yeah, that's how it reflects. So there are five pointed stars in these corners. So we've got eight and five right there. So it's got Fibonacci sequence built into it. And we got, let's see if you can see that. That is a skeleton hand and it's pointing in a direction. And when you flip it over, you're going to see, um, you're going to see the mirrored, the mirrored side. And they both have like skeleton hands. And so, um, 
there's a story that comes along with it. You know, there's like, there's going to be an optical illusion and then there's a story that comes with it. That's what makes it a presentation, but that's what makes it a hypnosis. That's, you know, that's, that's literally where the magic exists. And so let me go and, 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 and show you to the best of my ability, the, uh, the presentation. So this is what came with this. There was a sheet of paper that came with this and, and I'm going to recite the story. Um, presented as as you know it comes with this this key let me get it right here all right so this is the presentation i had a um i had a really interesting dream the other night and um i found myself in a dark dark wood and and i was lost and there was all sorts of you know strange and uncomfortable sounds and, 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 and insects all around. And it was, you know, it's a very kind of like unsettling sort of, uh, scenario. And I start kind of making my way through, through the wood and I find myself on this path and, and I walk along the path and I, I see up ahead, I see that there is an ancient skeleton leaning up against a tree. It was the most peculiar sight, just everything about it. And it reminded me, it reminded me of a story um, my grandmother told me about a skeleton that was just like the skeleton which I was seeing in my dream, like, you know, leaning on the tree. And what she said was, the skeleton was a trickster, but it will always tell you the truth eventually. You can ask the skeleton anything, but the first two times you, you, you ask the question, the skeleton will tell you a lie. And each one would be a different lie. But then if you ask it three times, if you ask the skeleton the same question three times, it will have to tell you the truth. So I remembered that. I'm like, okay, this is the situation. So I walk up to the skeleton and I say, skeleton, I am lost. Will you show me the way out? And the skeleton, his arms, they just start going round and round in this crickety crackety way and you can see that his hands ended up pointing in the opposite direction and so that didn't tell me any information because you know what am i going to do i'm going to go in the opposite direction so i say but i remembered i remembered what my my grandmother had told me i, I remembered that the skeleton would tell me a lot so i'm like okay mr skeleton that is not the way out I ask you again, show me the way out of this wood to my home. And the skeleton's arms start going round and round. And now, you know, they're, they're, they're not pointing, the hands aren't exactly pointing in the opposite direction, but they're a little bit closer to one another. But I still don't know my way out. So I remembered what my grandmother told me. And it was that when you ask the same question three times, the skeleton will tell you the truth. So I say, Mr. Skeleton, I ask you for the third time, and the third time you must tell me the truth. Which is the way out? And so the skeleton's arms moved. But this time, what they did was, they moved in the same direction, and they showed me the way out. And I followed his path, and soon I awoke, lying in my bed. So that's it. That's it. I did my best showing it to you. And so the trick was, if you're paying attention, like the, the hand, it, it goes from opposite, the hand's going from opposite, um, 
from opposite to closer together to point in the same direction. That's the illusion. That's why it's cool. But there's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I stepped into. And the reason I say that is the very next night, uh, and this is true. This is, I'm not in the presentation anymore. Um, the very next night I had a friggin' nightmare. I cannot remember the last time I had a nightmare. Actually, that's not true. Um, I remembered when I had a previous nightmare. It was about five years ago. And then before that, I don't have any memory of ever having a nightmare before. Like, you know, sleep has never been anything, which is, you know, in, uh, I never had like bad dreams or anything like that. And so that's why I remember the two nightmares. And the first one, um, the first one felt different. Um, the first one felt different. And then my normal dreams, like the environment was, uh, it was, it was slightly different. It was hard to describe, you know, how do you describe like the texture of your dream world? But when you can feel it different, you're like, oh, that's not like the other one, the other dreams that I'm used to. And so, uh, at that time I had, you know, I had a sneaking suspicion. There was a reason for someone who would play like such tricks would play like that trick on me, like, you know, trying to go into my dream world. And so this for anyone who ever thinks that may happen to them, what you want to do is, um, as soon as you kind of like realize, like you get settled, like that's what I mean by a nightmare. Like I woke up and I was like physically unsettled. Like, you know, I was like, holy shit. Um, and once you realize kind of like what's happened, you can maybe not go back into full like REM sleep, but you can go back into, uh, you can go back into, uh, um, like kind of active imagination sleep. Like you're still in a sleep state when you're awake. And so you can go back into it and you can, um, rectify that dream consciously and so that's a that's how you go and you you know you diffuse all that sort of like mumbo jumbo um and so the dream i had uh it it had a, the, the one i had uh two nights after hearing that and if you remember the presentation begins with like uh i remember a dream i had and so it's like you know there's already this dream sort of imagery and i have this nightmare and the story's going to get, uh, I'm going to circle back to, I'm going to circle back to this story, um, after I go down these next couple points. But once I had that nightmare, I recognized it as like, okay, you know, this is a whole bunch of weird things are going on, like simultaneously, like within a couple days of each other. Um, uh, I was moving out of the church. Um, the whole, like I told you, the Joe Biden thing, the meeting this person, this, like having this experience, um, uh, getting ready for a trip, all this sort of, all the stuff that's happening in the outer world. So it's like, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, there's, there's really like, you know, something, something like, uh, um, a spike is happening, at least in my perception of my awareness. But, you know, what I'm aware of is like, there's a spike happening. And so, uh, the first thing I started doing was I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about like the, the, the skeleton as this trickster, you know, this trickster, trickster. Like that's like, that was like popping in my mind, like that sort of element, you know, that sort of idea. And, uh, I don't know if I, I saw this before and it just like came out of my unconscious. I don't know like where this came from, like, you know, whatever. But this is, this is what, this is what pops in. This is what pops in. Let me go and switch this up for you. So, um, so we got this guy right here. Uh, 
I I have uh, um, <laughs> I mispronounce a lot of words, particularly names, and um, there are a lot of names which you know I've never heard, but I've read them many times, and so this would be one of these these names. So I pronounce this name Faki, but I believe that the um, the the common uh, pronunciation is Fauci. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, so this being wordplay, you know, this being this grandmaster uh, uh, psychodrama being performed on the black screens across the the interweb, is like you know we have this character who's like you know it's like in the phonics, it's in the wordplay, it's in the the, the mockery. You know, this is this is this Faust Lo Loki. You know, Faust-Loki blend of energies and archetypes. And so Faust, you know, deals all about, um, is all about like the, uh, um, is all about uh, making a deal with the devil. <laughs> and, you know, this, uh, I believe, like, it began as this, like, German uh, old folklore uh a story of this doctor in the Middle Ages, somewhere in like, you know, Rosicrucian Center, Germany. And it's about this doctor who's like, you know, he makes a pact with the devil and for like riches and fame. And it's about, um, and there've been a lot of versions of it. Uh, the Christopher Marlowe one is of particular interest, particular, um, and I say that based upon analysis I read, uh, like Michael Hoffman, analysis in um, secret societies and psychological warfare and I've never read you know Christopher Marlowe's uh, Faust but Dr. Faust I believe is what Christopher Marlowe is called um, but it ties in directly to um, it ties in directly to uh, uh, all the same cast and characters and 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 Hoffman's assessment is that it's very like, you know, it's, it, it's telling to, uh, uh, it's telling to the dark deeds that was being done behind the scenes by, under the, 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 um, cloak of Rosicrucianism. Um, and supposedly, according to Hoffman, like, you know, this led to, to his, uh, his death. So there's that element that's got, you know, that's got all type of perspectives in it, but it's like, you know, you go and you read it from that perspective and realize there's other perspectives, but nonetheless, it's like, you know, that's a key marker. And so like Faust, this, this, you know, packed with the devil and like, you know, dealing with the same people. And also, uh, uh, I believe, um, that it is, it's, it's a common understanding that it's, it's about, um, it recognizes the end of civilization, you know, the end of an age, the end of an era. So we've got like those type of archetypes in play. And then we also have this, this, this Loki, uh, uh, aspect to it as well. I and mean, he was like this trick, he was a trickster god. He was a Norse trickster god. And, uh, Loki's intent could be anything from just being kind of like mischievous to like, uh, you know, downright malicious. And you go and you, you, you look at the, the, the character and, you know, um, 
and, and I thought of the, the skeleton, you know, you ask it three times and the third time it's going to tell you the truth. And there's always a revealing of the method, right? And so there's always like a telling the truth and just like, you know, the, the mask is a symbol. They're telling you it's the truth. It's a play. It's a Loki. It's a like, it's, it's a pact with the devil. It's all this sort of stuff. So, so that was the first thing I was like, all right. Oh, okay. That's an interesting way to kind of like look in a little bit deeper into the, the archetypical. If you're interested, you know, in understanding Understanding, like how and who the archetypes that are being invoked uh, the are, you know, this is this is one of the ways. So um, the second thing is is a little bit um, is a little bit more regional, and but it's and it's a little bit more personal. But I think it's uh, <laughs> this one was a this one was an interesting one. So. I mentioned how Joe Biden had um, had come to Lancaster, and and I illustrated that there's you know there's there's an interesting link there, you know at least with with um, some of the work which I've done, and how he came in a way which personally affected you know me at the church. There was like a one degree of separation, and so that was Thursday of last week. But what was a a big local story, um, which began, um, probably on Monday or Tuesday of last week was the disappearance of, um, the disappearance of an 18 year old Amish young woman. And it immediately caught my, it hooked my attention. And, and it's been in my awareness and, and what, what has really kind of been ruminating or like initially I was like, this, this was getting a lot of attention. It was getting a lot of attention and, you know, people are, are, are unfortunately, you know, they're taken all, all the time and we become callous to that. And yeah, you're going to see the news, you're going to see your Amber alerts, but the amount of, of media attention upon this story was above and beyond what, what is, what is normally, um, shared within the, the, the system when someone goes missing. And so that caught my attention. And, you know, there's probably all sorts of interesting, um, interesting, uh, or possible connections, you know, with, with this, but I'm, I'm looking at patterns right now. And, I'm thinking about Joe Biden. I'm thinking about Lancaster and Joe Biden has one other connection to Lancaster and his connection was, and, uh, let's see this. I don't know how many of you remember this, but in 2006, there was, you know, for like a, a 10 day period, the biggest national news story was the shooting of, um, an Amish schoolhouse, a one-room schoolhouse, and and a bunch of children were were killed in cold blood. You know, that's that's what was that's what was, uh, you know, that was the story, and it was very much linked also when Sandy Hook happened. Um, when Sandy Hook happened, and uh, uh, those two stories with the schools were very linked, and there was there was a connection. So the, the Biden connection with all this is Biden was famously, um, uh, quoted saying, and he said this like at a, at a public function. He says, 
regarding the, uh, um, this, this event, he says, it was pure coincidence. I happened to literally, probably it turned out to be a quarter of a mile back in 2006 at an outing when I heard gunshots in the woods and we didn't know where. We thought it were, we thought they, there were hunters, Biden said, according to the transcript of his speech. As I got back to the clubhouse in the outing and saw helicopters, this is a continuation of the quote, by the way, it was a shooting that had taken place in a small Amish schoolhouse just outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So it's not just big cities or well-to-do suburbs. It could happen anywhere. So, <laughs> you know, Joe Biden, so, so what happened was this was, this, this was, this story was kind of like lampooned by, by the media, like even like the mainstream media, the mainstream conservative media, because they went and like did a little bit of like Google Earth fact checking. And they're like, you know, this guy, the vice president wasn't playing golf within a quarter mile of this. And like, um, and so the, the general, like the general, uh, um, assumption the first level of like kind of like siphon, you know, red herring is like, oh, it's just like, you know, this is a guy making up a story. And so you, you and I, I assume that, you know, that's what I assumed. Um, and, uh, listening to the, the skeleton, listen to the skeleton tale. It's like, you know, we know sometimes they tell the truth. Sometimes they tell the truth. And I'm like, what if this guy wasn't hearing distance of that shooting, you know? This, it didn't have, this was, <laughs> when you're investigating events, you know, it gets blurry what's real and what's not real. Um, and it's, it's probably simply as, uh, just as foolish to commit to one side of, uh, one universal conclusion or, or the other. So like there's a mixture. And so it's my sense is that, that this nickel mines thing really happened. Um, and the fact that, I don't know, this young lady disappears, um, this young lady disappears. Where is that slide? This, yeah, right here. This young lady disappears uh, on the solstice, you know, right before Biden, like, has this visit in Lancaster. You know, it's, this is, <laughs> it's kind of friggin' freaky. Uh, let me go a little bit deeper with nickel mines here. So first off is, like, this, this, this young lady was last seen right here in this part of, um, of, of Lancaster, uh, Lancaster County, like it, it, uh, the words Lancaster are, um, intermittent between the city, which refers to like the, the city in the center of the county and, you know, the county at large. Um, so I'm talking about the county right here. And so this is in part of the, uh, like, uh, there are parts of the county which are, are, have heavy Amish populations. And this is, this is pretty much in one of those pockets. And so, here she was in bird in hand, and this is where nickel mines happen. This is about nine miles away. So it's, uh, Lancaster's a pretty big county, and it's, uh, nine miles is, you know, it's pretty far, but that's basically, this is the same sort of area. Um, 
you know, we can see here about this, this little drop in the, uh, in the collective consciousness, the Sandy Hook shooter, shooter fascinated by nickel mines, Amish killings, if there's a link to that. Um, and then when you dig a little bit deeper, like, you know, um, I've been through, through that part of Lancaster and it's, there's nothing that really kind of like stands out or is like, you know, it's like, this is a place of a certain, um, history or energy or quality or, or even like beauty. It's just kind of like, it's, it's, it's ho-hum or at least it appears that way or appear to me at least on the surface. Um, but what's, what, what's interesting or what I found interesting about, uh, nickel mines is, uh, I put more information. I thought I did, but so I didn't. I'll just have to tell you about this. You're, you're gonna, um, wanna go look into this. Nickel mines is, uh, <laughs> it was at its peak in the 1800s. It was arguably the largest producer of the mineral nickel on the planet. You know, that's where, that's where, that's why we call a five cent coin a nickel because of this. Uh, it was, uh, this mine was purchased and, and made fabulous, made him fabulous, well, made him fabulously wealthy. Joseph Wharton, who was, you know, if you know what the Wharton School of Business is at the University of Pennsylvania, this is that guy. And he got rich at nickel mines, right? You know, uh, and this also has a real fascinating, uh, uh, correspondence to, to Scranton too, because the steel industry in Pennsylvania, like, I don't know that much about it, but I'm assuming it was big, big, big money. And I'm assuming like it was ruthless as can be because I know the guys who came out on top were quite ruthless. So I'm just assuming like, all of this sort of like, you know, this industry is, there's a degree of ruthlessness. Um, and this guy was one of the winners. He was one of the winners. And so, uh, oh, so Wharton. So this is what, so, uh, uh, he, Bethlehem Iron was the company which, which, uh, did the nickel, uh, had the nickel mined and it was Wharton who convinced the U.S. Mint to go make a, a, a five cent coin piece and he will supply the material for it. And, you know, that's why it's called nickel. And he came up with a way. He was a brilliant metallurgist, you know, also like the dude was brilliant as well, but he was also this, 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 this crafty businessman. Um, I don't know if he was a crafty businessman, but I know it was amazingly competitive. And that's what I'm getting at is because one of the other, uh, like, uh, there was U.S. Steel, which was the primary, like, you know, heavy hitter. And then there were these other, like, seven, like, other companies. And these guys were, like, putting out huge, huge amounts of steel. This built the railroads. This is the infrastructure for all of, for all of this, like, metal, which is crossing over what we think of as North America. But, like, this is where it happened. These were the guys who kind of, like, the brainchilds behind it. But there was a great deal of competitiveness and rivalry. And so, um, Another one of these, these big companies was, was Lackawanna Steel. And that was in Scranton. And Scranton is, um, at the time, it was a, it was, it, it was a big industry town because of Lackawanna Steel and then everything else that was supported from it. And so they used to compete, you know, uh, with the other guys, particularly this Wharton company, Bethlehem. And so eventually, uh, Bethlehem acquired, uh, Lackawanna. 
And when, when one company acquires the other, you know, even if it was done in a friendly sort of way, it's like, there's like a, there's a sense, there, there's a, there's something being said there. There's like, you know, we're dealing with like what we, what you call, um, this real, like, um, alpha male aggressive, like where that comes from, like, that's a true thing. That's a true expression. And so that can be shown in any, in any capacity. And these guys like really, really hone that. And so, when one of them has to submit to the other, that's a big freaking deal. And they don't forget that shit. And so <laughs> undoubtedly, uh, you know, I, I, I laugh because like, this is how they play this game. And like, you know, and then the stories are told are ridiculously, but, but, you know, part of, of, of what the, the psychodrama behind the scene, which was happening at Nickel Mines with, with Biden saying he heard that. Biden said he heard that and he owns this, you know, he's, and he's, he's maybe an outlaw. I don't know. Like, you know, look at, maybe they never went away. Maybe me, <laughs> most definitely they haven't, I suppose. That's what, uh, um, that, uh, what was that Scorsese film called? The one with, that just came out that took, that was about the, the, the Scranton crime family. You know, that's, that's this, this, this energy there. So it's, it's all of this. And so how did I even get here? We started talking about the skeleton key. So it's like going down all of this sort of, 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 of insight into like this, this knowledge of, of what's being orchestrated, um, what's being orchestrated right in front of us. And so what's being orchestrated right in front of us is like, this is the big show. This is like, you know, maybe there's a bigger show down the road, but there's something major, major happening. And it's been prepping for this. And, um, uh, I see it very strongly in, in, in Lancaster and Susquehanna, the Susquehanna river, obviously. So, but you're also going to find that once you begin to have eyes to see, um, you know, you're going to see that in a very personal way too. I mean, this story should resonate with, with everyone who's part of the culture because the culture was born from here through the hijacking of, of, um, what the, the, the oldest river on the planet represents. And so, um, now's the time, like, you know, is one thing, you know, it's Faustian as one civilization is dying, like something else is going to show up. And, uh, we're going to save ourselves, but we can't save ourselves. Um, we can't save ourselves doing the way, perceiving the way we once did. And so that's, what's opening up an awareness of an interconnectivity in like a very, very literal way. And not like in a way like, wow, this is great to, um, <clears throat> you know, to, 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 to experience life like this, like this is becoming more and more about, you're going to have to come up with something which you hold within, which is going to guide you, but it's not going, which you're going to get feedback for going in the right direction because, <laughs> you know, my sense is, uh, uh, things are going to continue to get weird and there's a nasty beast who's, who, you're going to see his full face, but there's nothing scary about it, no matter how close you come to it, because we are close. 
So here's the, uh, here's the kicker. This is what I want to end up the whole thing, um, the whole thing for a show or presentation or, you know, the, the skeleton key. Um, because it, it's certainly like, uh, it unlocked like seeing some, some dark stuff, but then also recognizing like, you know, if you're here, you're part of it, you know, you're, you're, there, there's a part of you that understands it, that's connected to it. Uh, you know, whether you want to call that your shadow or you want to look at that, you know, however, and, uh, there's a connection. So, so I've touched upon that, I think, this week with this, 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 you know, I've seen it for 60 days, if you will, living in a church. And now, like, I get this, like, this, 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 this experience. And so this is where it gets weird. I told you the story. I told you the story. Um, and this is the thing which is strange or, or what, what jumped out at me was, um, I told you the story, uh, with emphasis on the skeleton, but what jumped out for me was the tree. And this is why, um, there's a period in my life ending at 2012 that I made a lot of collage artwork and it all had a certain style. It had a certain look to it. Um, and then this was the, and I used certain materials. They changed a little bit, but they're primarily the same, but this one, um, there are two things that were unique about it. It was the last piece I made. It probably took me like two or three years to make it. Um, And it was the only piece which I did over a period of time. And the other piece I would just like, I would start and then finish. I wouldn't have multiple pieces working on, but this one it, it did. And it, it ended up using, um, tissue paper. Uh, that's what all of the, um, this stuff is, this like tissue paper. And if you look closely, and so it was the last thing I made. I never made another collage. When I was done this, that's the last time I ever made a collage or I haven't made one since. Maybe that's a more accurate way of stating it. Um, and so that sticks out of my memory. Like, I don't really remember the order of anything else I made, but I know that this was my last one. And I have a couple which I'm like, this is my first one. I'm like, no, this is my first one. But, but everything else is just kind of a blur. But this I know is my last one. And this is, uh, the, the two most, um, for me in making the significant, um, parts of, of making this. And you can't really see in this picture, but, but these two hands, these two freaking skeleton hands, and they're pointing in opposite directions, right? And he's holding a friggin' tree. He's holding a friggin' tree. <laughs> so there's a feedback loop, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's part of me, which is like, holy shit, is this one MK ultra experience, which I'm waking up to? Or is, is this something much, much grander than for me? It comes back to this, you know, um, uh, the quote is somewhat soured by who it's, um, attributed to, but nonetheless, I think it's uh, an incredibly truthful quote. The most important question you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly place? Or is this a dangerous place? Is this a friendly universe or is this a dangerous universe? And I'm given a point of like what I'm committing to.
and I'm committing to, this is a safe place. And so I guess that's what, you know, I didn't plan on saying this when I started this, but if there was a, a, um, a conclusion for the 60 day journey, you know, in the church, you know, this being, uh, at sundown was the completion of my, um, my agreement was that this is a safe place. <laughs> so it's with that. I bid you good night.